What's up, fellas? I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter, at MMALOTN. We are back for the fourth edition of the MMA DFS show on my guy Sal Vetri's channel. Shout out to all the fellas that have been showing your boy nothing but support since I've jumped onto this channel. It's been great. I love the feedback, and I can't wait to keep this thing growing on an, on a week-to-week, fight-week-to-week basis as well, too. So quickly, right off the bat, I just want to plug myself. Once again, you guys can find me at MMALOTN on Twitter, MMALOTN on the IG as well. And if you want to check out my own YouTube channel, you guys can just search up MMALOTN and it'll be the first thing that pops up. I also want to plug in my own Patreon. Five bucks a month, you guys get a ton of value. It's pretty much MMA betting uh, focused. Uh, all the DFS stuff, once again, is always going to drop on my guy Sal's channel here. But in terms of specifically betting wise, you guys get access to my picks, early access to my breakdowns, uh, a live Discord channel, uh, a best bets and props article that I drop and that go through every single fight on the card, give you the best bet and the best prop. Very informative article. A lot of people love that one. And then we have over 220 members right now. So for five bucks a month, yeah, you get a lot of bang for your buck for sure. All the links are in the description below. So make sure you guys check that out. And that's the best way to support your boy. Also, we want to give a quick shout out to Monkey Knife Fight, the sponsor for the show. Uh, it is a player prop site where you pretty much pick an over-under on fantasy points or significant strikes landed. Uh, that's specific for the UFC, obviously, but they obviously cover all these other sports, NHL, basketball, hockey, uh well, that's kind of redundant saying NHL and hockey, but you guys know what I mean. Uh, very fun site. They give you a free money bonus, 100% match all the way up to 50 bucks on your initial deposit if you use the promo code UFC50. That's UFC50. Make sure you guys plug that in when you guys sign up. It will be a great way to support the show. And it's also a great fantasy sports site as well too. A great spin on the fantasy sports type of uh, approach to gambling. So check that out. Uh, shout out to Monkey Knife Fight for always supporting the show. All right. So before we get into the actual show here, I want to let you guys know that we're going to be taking a little bit of a different approach with uh, the shows moving forward. So I don't want to spend as much time going through the entire card. If you guys want to, you know, get an in-depth look at, at the entire card, you guys can check out my own podcast. Once again, the link is in the description below for my YouTube channel, where I usually drop my own podcast Mondays of Fight Week. If you want the rundown on the entire card, again, check my podcast out. For these shows now moving forward, I want to hone in specifically on the lock of the night plays, the dog of the night plays, the fate of the night, the sleeper of the night. Like I want to uh, focus specifically on those fights. So it won't be as long of an episode. You know I mean, we used to hit the hour mark, hour and five, hour and ten mark. That won't be happening anymore. We're going to keep it a little bit shorter, maybe 25 to 35 minutes, uh, depending on how long it takes me to get through these matchups. But the four or five matchups that I go through, I'll go through it as well as I can to give you guys as much information as possible to make the best decision possible uh, for your DraftKings needs. But in case you guys have more questions, uh, you guys are more than welcome to drop a, a comment below. I'll be happy to get back to you guys uh, after the show as well. Uh, and then even leading up to the event, just hit me up on Twitter, hit me up on the IG, wherever you guys want to hit me up. I'd be more than happy to answer all of your questions. But yeah, that's going to be the new direction of the show. I hope you guys enjoy it. And I can't wait to get into it. So what are we waiting for? Let's get into it. So my lock of the night play, that's what I'm going to start off with. It's the main event. It's Curtis Blades, 9,400 
more than deserving of that price tag, in my opinion, given his approach and his fights. The guy wants to take you down, and he wants to pummel your head through the canvas. And in doing so, he usually racks up a lot of points. Now, in his last fight against Alexander Volkov, he, he uh, didn't finish Volkov, but he still managed to accrue 172.8 DraftKings points, uh, you know, taking that fight all five rounds. It looked like he was a little bit gassed at the latter end of that fight, you know, end of round four, round five. He was really huffing and puffing. Alexander Volkov was really making him work, uh, even though Volkov was on his back for the majority of that fight. You know, that that's that's Blades' MO, though. The guy is a wrestler, and he's not going to stray too far from that. You know, even in his Junior Dos Santos fight, the fight before that, we saw him shooting the takedowns. We saw him fainting the takedowns, and he was doing it enough that it got Junior Dos Santos kind of biting on those feints, and uh, that's where Curtis Blades was able to unload a beautiful combination, drops JDS, and just follows up with the punches and gets the finish in that fight. But more often than not, you're going to see the Justin Willis approach, the Shamil Abdurahimov approach, and the Alexander Volkov approach, which is take you down and just not let you breathe, just just smother you as much as possible. Now, Curtis Blades is 30 years old, so he's continuously getting better. I think this is the best we've ever seen him at this point. Uh, and he's 14-2. and two. His two losses are to Francis Ngannou, and most people already know him as the guy that if he touches you on the chin, more than likely you're going to sleep. Now, the first time they were they, they were scheduled to fight each other, um, or when they did fight each other, that fight got stopped because uh, I believe it was Curtis's Blades' eye that ended up closing. And if that fight had actually gone three full rounds, we probably would have saw... Uh, Curtis Blades get his hand raised. Then they booked the uh, rematch five fights ago for Curtis Blades, and Francis Ngannou still ends up touching the chin of Blades and puts him out. That's just Francis Ngannou for you. Not the greatest technical striker, not the greatest fighter, but he has probably the scariest power we've ever seen in the UFC. And unfortunately for Blades, he's lost to him now twice. But if he's not Francis Ngannou and cross from him, uh, Curtis Blades is going to go out there and take him down, tie, uh, his opponent down time and time again until he gets the finish or gets his hand raised via decision. Now against Derek Lewis, we're getting probably the second hardest hitter in the division, maybe third if you want to throw Jairzinho Rosenstrike into the conversation. But Derek Lewis leads the UFC heavyweight division in most finishes. And, uh, you know, it, it makes sense. The guy has a ton of power in his hands, but he's very slow and sloppy and and. You know, it's, he comes down to his blitzes and, and sometimes like his win over Alexander Volkov several fights ago, you know, he's getting mauled for <laughs> 14 minutes until he decides to say, fuck it, let's get up and start throwing some bungalows. And that's when he landed on Volkov and got the got the victory that way. He's always mustering up the energy later in fights when his opponents have been beating on him. It's like almost a Homer Simpson approach where he's just getting beat on, but he's so durable that... Um, He's able to survive and then possibly knock these guys out later or drop them and, you know, score some rounds and, and pull off a decision victory. That's kind of his MO. But this is a very, very tough matchup here for Curtis or for Derek Lewis. You know what I mean? And Curtis Blades will be able to get him down. We saw Derek Lewis get taken down pretty easily by Alexei Olenek a couple times now. And Olenek is old man Olenek. We're talking about a 40-something-year-old guy in Olenek who, uh, you know, is just muscling opponents down compared to Curtis Blades, who has a legitimate wrestling background and just, you know, shoots double legs for lunch, 
It's just what he does. Uh, he can do it in his sleep if he wants to. So all Curtis Blades really needs to worry about is just staying away from the power of uh, Derek Lewis. I think he'll be able to get him down within a minute, maybe 30 seconds of this fight starting. And I think we'll see him do some good damage from on top. Now, the the difference with Derek Lewis surviving uh, past opponents is that you know, Curtis Blades is just another level. Like the last time we saw Derek Lewis fight a wrestler of Curtis Blades level was Daniel Cormier. And we saw Cormier go out there and finish him via submission. I believe that fight ended in the second round. This is a much bigger guy in Curtis Blades who's going to be able to get you down and uh, do some good damage from on top. We've seen, um, you know, Blades, when he's able to get you down, he's able to do some big, big uh, work from on top. You know what I mean? Just look back at the Alistair Overeem fight where he finished him via strikes from the guard. You don't often see fights finish from the guard, but he's able to generate so much power that not a lot of guys are able to do much from their back. With Derek Lewis, he just has that like, fuck it, let's get up type of game plan, right? With his jiu-jitsu, it's almost non-existent. The guy uses no technique. He kind of just, you know, turns over to his stomach and then just starts getting back up. But I think he's going to have a hard time getting back up over and over again uh, against a guy like Curtis Blades, who will be able to bring the... um, the damage down on Derek Lewis. Derek Lewis, you know, a horrible gas tank as well too. He's only good for like conserving his energy when he's on the ground and then getting back to his feet, throwing a, a blitz, maybe five, six strikes. And if he's not able to knock you out, then you're gonna he's going to get taken down again and he's going to get continue to get smothered. And, uh, and I think in this fight, like he's going to get finished. I think Curtis Blades will finish him. I think he'll um, take him down repeatedly, like I said. And I think the the sneaky prop that I'm also looking at here is Curtis Blades via uh, submission, plus 900. I think that's a solid spot. Uh, you know, Curtis Blades is notoriously a, a ground and pounder, but Derek Lewis might be a little bit harder to put away, so he might have to put him to sleep. So that could be a possibility. But I got Curtis Blades winning this fight. I think he's going to score very, very high. I completely understand why he's the highest um, or the most expensive player or fighter on the field because he will put up those numbers. And uh, I, I just don't think that Derek Lewis is going to have much for him. So I got Blades. Uh, I'll probably say second or third round uh, ground and pound or submission. But I think he's very live here. Next up, I got the dog of the night play. And I like Jared Gordon here at that 7,800 range. Uh, when he normally wins, he's winning in the hundreds. You know, I mean, Chris Fischel, Fischgold, his last fight, 120 points. Uh, Dan Moret, 111 points. Hakran Diaz, you know, he's scoring 110 points. But then obviously when he's losing, he's getting finished. But the difference here is Danny Chavez is not Diego Fajera. Danny Chavez is not Joaquin Silva. Danny Chavez is definitely not Charles Dobronx Oliveira. And that's my that's my big thing here is I think a lot of people are just reading into the last fight of Danny Chavez where he was able to go out there and just completely, you know, pick apart TJ Brown in that first round, really work that calf kick, which rendered TJ Brown pretty much compromised for the remainder of that fight. You know, and the, midway through the second round, we see TJ Brown go out there and say, oh, I can just move forward and this guy's probably going to crack. And that's what happened with Danny. You know what I mean? Danny's gas tank started to show like it wasn't the greatest. Um, and when he was, you know, fighting off of his back foot, he's just not as effective. And that's Jared Gordon's game. Jared Gordon goes out there and he pushes you backwards. He He's a pressure fighter. He stays in your face. He throws, you know, 150 strikes, lands, you know, he's landed 200 strikes in a couple of his fights as well, too. The guy is just a, a machine 
that moves forward. Add into the fact that Jared Gordon has recently moved his camp down to Sanford MMA, we see massive improvement improvements from him. And I feel like that's the perfect type of game or uh, coaching that you're you're gonna need a guy like Henry Hooft to kind of combat uh, the the calf kicking game of the MMA Masters team, which is where Danny Chavez comes from. You got guys like Miguel Baeza and Ricardo Lamas, guys that have come out from that camp that target the calf kick, and Danny Chavez is no different. However, I don't think that Danny is the level of a Miguel Baeza. You know, what I mean, the guy's 33 years old; he's really got to make a run now, if I, if at all. But Jared Gordon, on the other hand, has all the tools to make this a very grimy fight for Chavez. There's just not a lot of tape out there on Chavez. Uh, you know, outside of one fight he had six years ago in a fight where, you know, won via split decision, but should have easily lost that fight. But we see what happens when grappling gets, you know, gets uh, put into the equation. He, he kind of folds, he breaks. And I feel like that's what Jared Gordon will be able to do here against Danny Chavez. So I think a lot of people are just reading too far into that TJ Brown fight and thinking that, oh my God, this guy's a killer. But what happens when he's pushed right from the get-go and not just allowed to, you know, settle into a fight? And I think that's what uh, Jared Gordon's approach is going to be here is he's just going to continuously move forward, not let Danny Chavez breathe and, you know, maybe finish him late. But I'm going to say he wins via decision, but he's going to get a ton of points in doing so. So I'm expecting this 7,800 priced fighter in Jared Gordon to score over 100 points here and uh, win this fight via decision. Next up, we got the fade of the night. And this one was relatively easy. I had to go with Drakkar Close. He's at 9,000 points. You know, he's a minus 170 favorite here against Luis Pena, who, you know, is just an underachiever at this point in time. Maybe Pena still has the potential to go out there and, and round out his game. Because I truly think that he has a high ceiling once he's really able to get his game going. Moved his camp down to ATT. I think that's a great move for him. But that common worthy fight just leaves such a bad taste in my mouth. You know, what I mean, the guy, uh, the first round just did not go for the takedown at all. Gave up that first round. Second round, you see him successful with it, not able to get the submission victory. But then in the third round, you see him a little bit too desperate and leaves his neck out there. And we see common worthy pull out that guillotine choke victory. Now, uh, even the Matt Favola fight, you know, what I mean, very, very, uh, uh, underachieving for for Luis Pena, you, you know what I mean. A lot of people were very very high on him. He's only twenty seven years old, so I think he still has a lot of improving to do. But uh, Jakar Close is such an efficient fighter, and that's the that's the issue here. That like he's so efficient to the point that he just fights to his opponent's level and just fights so close. And I mean no pun by that. Like he just all of his fights are very very close. Like. His last three wins, he scores 98 points, then 57 points against Bobby Green, 66 points against Lando Venata. And even when he's in these close fights, like he, his opponents are not scoring that high either. You know I mean, even David Tamer, when he beat him, only scored 61 points. Benio Dariush obviously finished him in the second round, but more often than not, Jakar Close has a pretty solid chin and he's uh, very durable. So I think that Benio Dariush fight was a bit of an, an anomaly. Like he thought he rocked Benio Darius, then they go into this firefight, probably one of the craziest sequences we ever saw in 2020. And uh, unfortunately for him, he's the one, you know, staring up at the lights and he got knocked out in that second round. But 
he he slows fights down. And I think that's what's going to happen here against Pena is that this is going to be a slow-paced fight, maybe some grappling, a couple of leg kicks here and there from Jakar Close, a couple of fishing combinations, but nothing that's going to score in the hundreds. I'd be surprised if, uh, you know, maybe Pena would be live for a, a finish here, but uh, if this fight does go to decision, I highly doubt we see either guy score in the hundreds here. So easily, Jakar Close at 9,000 is a fade for me. I, I'm probably not going to have much of him on any of my lineups. I, he doesn't have much upside for finishing. Uh, he's a decision machine. And even in his fight against Christos Iagos, where he got 98 points, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be able to put that type of performance against a Luis Pena here who, you know, we're talking about... Uh, a six inch height advantage we're talking about a, a five inch reach advantage for Luis Pena now Jakar Close is experienced and I do think that he'll be able to overcome that but I think I, it's just going to be too close of a fight to warrant a nine thousand dollar price tag on a guy like Jakar Close so there's much better guys in the nine thousand range or a higher eight thousand range that will score much better than Jakar which is why he's my fate of the night for this card sleeper of the night this one was a little bit harder to choose uh, I ended up going with Derek Minner, and I'm picking Charles Rosa to win this fight, but I think the upside on Derek Minner is very, very high. We're talking about a guy that has over 36 fights, coming into his 37th fight now. He has 25 victories. Get this, 22 of those 25 victories have come via submission. I believe 21 of those came within the first round. Like the guy goes for it in round one, and there's no doubt about it. So if there's one guy that you can kind of rely on to fight for your money in that round one and try to cash that round one bonus for you, it's a guy like Derek Minner. Now he's going up against another black belt in jiu-jitsu and uh, Charles, uh, Charles Rosa, who was able to fend off Bryce Mitchell for uh, the entirety of 15 minutes in a lot of close uh, submission attempts from Bryce Mitchell. Um, so I think it might be a little bit of a harder task for Derek Minner to get it done. But if he does, it's going to be in the first round. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a fight that you're going to want a little bit of both sides. But I think that Minner might be the sleeper side here as... Um, you know, people will be higher on Charles Rosa, who's currently at minus 185. I was thinking of making Andre Arlovsky the, the, the sleeper play of the night because I do think that he's going to be very low-owned, but I think he has a very solid chance of winning the fight as well, too, against Tom Aspinall. My concern, though, is that Arlovsky, when he wins, he's very low-scoring, right? He's like 45 points, 50 points, whereas Derek Minner, if he wins, he's going to win in that first round, and he's going to get you a solid um, a total as well too so I think that he's a solid sleeper of the night play you don't want to be too overexposed as I do think that Charles Ross's jiu-jitsu defense is pretty good but if any guy was going to catch him it would be Derek Minner given his style his kamikaze style which is go all out in that first round and if he's not able to get you out of there more than likely he's going to be the one that gets taken out in that second round but uh, I'd have to go with Minner as my sleeper play of the night uh, th th out of the out of the four shows that I've done on this channel so far, this has been the toughest card for me in terms of finding a sleeper of the night play. So I had to settle with Derek Minner. Um, might be slightly more owned than I think, but uh, as a dog and somebody at that 7,400 range, I think that uh, he's a solid spot to potentially you know, score very, very high, especially if he gets that first round submission victory, as history has said, uh, given his record. It's absolutely crazy. All right. Stackable main event or not, I don't think it is. You know what I mean? Um, if Derek Lewis wins, it's probably going to be a quick KO. If, um, 
Actually, you know what? No, I take that back. Lewis, like I said, he does have that ability to sometimes just gather up strength later in a fight, round three, round four, and go berserk and get a knockout. So maybe Curtis Blades goes out there and gets a ton of points off of, you know, three rounds of work, and then Derek Lewis gets a late finish. Um, I'd be very low on the stackable side here. Again, if, if this goes to Curtis Blades' plan... You're going to get a very, very low score out of Derek Lewis here. I don't see it going five rounds. I think Blades finishes this inside the distance. And we're not going to get a ton of control time from Derek Lewis. We're not going to get a ton of significant strikes. All you're banking on is him getting the knockout. And I think that's a very low percentage here. So ultimately, I'll say that this is not a stackable main event. All right. uh, My favorite plays in each range will go in the 6,000 round. We only got two guys, uh, which is... We got uh, Yannick, well, not two guys. We got two fighters. Yannick Kunitskaya at 6,900 and Derek Lewis at 6,800. I think Derek Lewis, if he wins, would be the higher upside. Yannick Kunitskaya, I don't see her being able to implement her game, which recently has just been like bullying girls up against the cage, getting a ton of control time. She's not going to be able to do that to Ketlin. So I think uh, the higher upside here in the 6,000 range uh, would be Derek Lewis. Uh, in the 7,000 range, my dog of the night, Jared Gordon. I got to go with him. I think he's going to score it in the hundreds. Uh, I think he's going to pull off the upside here. And I think he's going to stun a lot of people who are thinking that Chavez would just go in there, leg kick his way to victory and get the W. I think that Jared Gordon takes him down time and time again, puts the pressure on him, maybe finishes him late, but definitely scores up in the hundreds, even if this fight goes to a decision. So he's my favorite play in the 7,000s. Favorite play in the 8,000s, Chris Daukis. He's coming in at... 8600 uh, I like him in the spot I think he's a very solid fighter uh, showing improvements on a fight to fight basis and not to mention trimming the hell down you know just three fights ago he was weighing in at like 256 comes into the UFC at 244 and now his last fight his second fight in the UFC is at like 220 and it's definitely working for him in terms of his speed uh, his boxing and it's definitely showing off as he's been able to knock out his last two opponents in the UFC so I think we'll be able to see him go out there uh, stay on his bike enough but get his hands going that he'll eventually knock out Alexi Olenek and I expect that to happen in the first round uh, which is why I think that 8600 for Chris Dalkis is very very reasonable as I do expect him to get Olenek out of there in that first round so he's my favorite play at 8000 and then lastly in the 9000s my lock of the night play, Curtis Blades. I think he scores very, very high, takes down Derek Lewis at will, and then eventually finishes him either with some ground and pound or via submission, but easily my favorite play at the 9,000 mark. Uh, all right, let's get into the monkey knife fight tips. We went one and one last week. Uh, I believe it was Ricky Simone that just missed the mark by uh, three significant strikes. Diego Lima cra- uh, kills it, I believe, by uh, 20 or so strikes, uh, cashes that over. Um, but this week, I got two less thans. So I got Olenek, less than 25 and a half strikes. I expect him to, uh, one, get knocked out. That's 
primary. But secondly, if he gets this fight to the ground, which is his realm, he's going to be seeking submissions. He's not going to be seeking significant strikes. So under less than 25 and a half significant strikes, I think is a great spot. And then uh, lastly, uh, Phil Hawes, less than 44 and a half strikes. I think that's uh, a solid spot as well, too. I think he's going to go berserk in that first round. If he doesn't get that knockout, it's going to get tough for him because his cardio is not that great. And then we'll see Imovov really take away uh, or pull away with this fight in the second and third rounds. And we won't see that many significant strikes land for Mr. Phil Hawes. So yeah, that's a pretty much a wrap on the show. And it feels weird because it's a little bit quicker than normal. But once again, if you guys want the full in-depth breakdown of the card, check out my podcast. The link is in the description below for my YouTube channel. I go over the entire 15 card slate um, and I hope to you know, give you guys even more in-depth breakdowns on that side of things. But in terms of DraftKings, I just want to give you guys these plays here. I think they're solid spots. Hopefully at least two or three of them come to fruition for you guys and we're able to uh, take down some of these tournaments or some of these head-to-heads. Apparently I've been getting a lot of good recognition over the last three episodes, so I'm hoping to keep that streak going and shout out to you guys for supporting your boy on a week-to-week basis. All right, again, you guys can find me at MMALOTN on Twitter, MMALOTN on the IG, and then uh, on the YouTube as well, MMALOTN, and then obviously my Patreon. Everything is in the uh, description below. Make sure you guys check out Sal's uh, MMA uh Patreon as well, too. He has a bunch of tools for you there as well, uh, projections, um, just a lot of tools that will help you cash uh, on this weekend. So make sure you guys check that stuff out. If you haven't already, make sure you guys hit that subscribe. Hit that like as well to show your boy some love and turn on those notifications so you guys know whenever Sal's going live or whenever I'm going live for this channel as well too because we will be doing more live streams in the very near future. Near future? Near future? <laughs> near future. And I can't wait to do that for you guys. All right. That's pretty much it on my end. Good luck on your best this week, and I'll see you guys next week.